0: Welcome to a Throwback Equipping Podcast. My name is Nathan, and in this episode, we are going to reach back a couple of years to a conversation we had with Rob Berry, who is one of the directors of community here at Watermark, and talk about what is the church. So we hope you enjoy the conversation. My other host is Nika Spalding.
1: Nika Spalding here, Director of Women's Equipping and Curriculum, and happy to be joining you guys. Yeah. And then sitting to my left, Mrs. Sylvia yeah, Bateman. Right. You can just call me Sylvia, though. All right, fair enough. We're, we're close enough friends. That's awesome.
0: And then we also have Rob Berry.
1: I believe it's Sir Rob Berry. It is Sir I think Rob Berry. There's <laughs> a little
0: bit of like a, there's like a, there's a myth around Rob Berry around here. Yes, there's a, a, it's not like a legendary halo. Fake, <laughs> fake halo. <laughs> Um, Rob is kind of a legend around here, but uh, he is the married community director at the Plano campus for Watermark. And he also, on a personal note, you were also Margaret and I's merge leader, you and your wife, Leslie. That was back in the day. Which is
2: our premarital ministry here. That's right. Yeah. So we'll plug that as well. Yeah. You, I'm kind of a legend here because I usually make bad mistakes here. <laughs> <laughs> I usually end up pushing all the chips in and swimming <laughs> in a pond for 50 weeks out of the year. And I'm also kind of the proverb 17. You know, you can either learn from God's word or a hundred lashes to a fool. <laughs> and pain has been my tutor more than once Love it. Um, over the last decade. So it's great to be with you. I'm up at the Plano campus now and yeah, I get to oversee community connecting, so helping people connect there. And as we all know, if you've been around for a while, the hard thing is staying connected to those same people because mm. relationships are hard. So uh, great yeah. to be with you guys. Yeah.
0: As we were reminded on a retreat that community is a is a beating. I mean, a, a blessing.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> Today's all about the church, which is a great thing to talk about since we work for a church. So yeah. So but before we assume too much about what this word is, because I think it's a word sometimes maybe pregnant with meaning and maybe people mean different things. Sometimes people say church and what they imagine is a building down the road or they say church and they think of a group of people. And so and why don't you just kick us off by just answering the simple question or maybe, maybe simple question, but complex answer. What is the church? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it, that's the, it's the right question to start off with because there are so many misconceptions about what the church is. Probably the biggest one you mentioned is that people think, Oh, well, the church is a building you go to. So even the way we talk to our family, or friends, a lot of times is, Hey, I'm going to church, mm-hmm. which, which betrays our misunderstanding, you know, that that's, that uh, shows that we just aren't thinking rightly about it. So I think it, it's the right thing to talk about. And what is the church and in order to do that in talking about what does the Bible say about the church? How did we get this term? How did they think about it when the authors of the text penned scripture? And, and I think to, to even ask that question, there needs to be an understanding about what type of culture the church came out of. And so I would I would reference you to uh, to a book by Joe Hellerman, who's a pastor in California who wrote a book called When the Church Was a Family. And the subtitle there is recapturing Jesus's vision for authentic Christian community. And, and uh, a lot of the stuff I'm about to talk about um, is stuff that, that he mentions in this book. I, it is well worth the time and effort for you to read that. So, but in, the, in When the Church Was a Family, he talks about the difference between a weak group and a strong group culture. So think in your minds about like the movie Titanic. In the Titanic, this woman is engaged to this you know total jerk who nobody likes. Um, and yet she's engaged to him primarily because her family needs her to marry him. And then she gets on the Titanic and she meets this fun Jack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Lean yeah, exactly. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Heart emojis in the uh, eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, in every woman's <laughs> emoji. Yeah, eyes. But she meets this Jack. She meets Jack on the boat, and you know the rest of the time you're rooting for her to go. With the guy who is the worst possible option for her family, for her family, right? Yeah. And the whole time, there's this tension between her mom and her, and the movie that's like, "Hey, I know your heart is over there, but I need you to do this." And we watch that movie, and it strikes such a deep chord with us because we live in a in a weak group culture, right? We're, We're high individualism. And low group, right? So right,
1: we're rooting for her individual love, exactly, and not thinking about the good of the family (laughs) unit and what, yeah.
0: Be free, break away from the bonds of your of your oppressive family who needs you to do this over here in order to maintain their health, right? And break away from all that to do what's right for you. And that's, I mean, that marks our culture. Um, so in a weak group culture, the preference of each individual takes priority over the good of the group, right? You're you're, you're just, it's all about you. Um, however, the, the opposite of that is a strong group culture. And in the strong group culture, the good of the group always takes preference over, or priority over the good of the individual. And so what's crazy is the New Testament and really, frankly, the entire ancient world for the most part – it was a strong group culture. And so the New Testament is written out of a strong group culture where they would watch the Titanic and look at Rose. what's Rose. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Okay. I, I got you, help. man. Thank yeah. you. Like Thank you sang the song. Oh, yeah. They all
1: die, then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang it. Spoiler alert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, if you haven't seen that movie, it was 20 years ago. But <laughs> anyway, they're looking at Rose going, I can't believe that Jack is even an option for you. Right. Like that would not even have, like, crossed their mind.
1: you know. And her immaturity and continuing to flirt totally, with something totally. that, yeah. So you take a Westerner in a weak group culture exactly. watching the movie, cheering on Rose. You take uh, maybe an ancient Near Easterner, pluck them out of the context yeah. of the New Testament, and they're going, are you kidding me? Yeah. She's irresponsible. She's unfaithful to her family. And so it's a very interesting, it's a very American it's, movie.
0: It, yeah, t- no doubt about it. And mm-hmm. still in the modern Near East. I mean, they're, they're still very strong group cultures, um
2: and can I just, mm-hmm. for the record, yeah. I think Sylvie and I are probably both think, thinking the same thing along with some of our listeners, which is we're a little disturbed by how much you guys know and celebrate. <laughs> you know I mean?
1: Yeah. So, Rob, you'll continue to be disturbed the more we get to I know, know right? each other. I, I'm assuming
2: this, I'm just on the wrong team. But. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We'll receive yeah. that
0: disturbance. <laughs> But, but yeah, there, there was a guy that's written quite a bit on culture, and um, his name's uh, Clifford Gertz. He said this, uh, individualism is is a rather peculiar idea within the context of the world's cultures. So you have to understand, like, we're so deeply ingrained in individualism that we – Um, To even challenge that idea almost seems uh, an attack on our identity, you know, like. It's It's, un-American. And then therefore
1: un-Christian. And we sometimes confuse (laughs) the two and forget that the roots of Christianity really did come from a strong group culture. And so, um, yeah. So it's a
0: so but I say that to just say, like, we you need to you need to switch your perception in your mind because. The presupposition that individualism is the highest end and that we should view everything through that is a fairly new idea in the history of humankind. And so, yeah, we'll start there. But in the strong group culture, and I would say this in, as far as just principle number one on strong group culture is in the New Testament. The again, I've mentioned this already, but in the New Testament world, the group always took priority over the individual. So you ask, like, "Hey, what would it have been like to walk around with Jesus in Palestine in the first century?" Well, it would have looked like a very strong group culture. I mean, you're making decisions based on family. You're a lot of their, you know, traditions were family oriented, pe- and and not even just family oriented, but the whole people as a whole oriented. Um, there's plenty of evidence in this in ancient texts that clearly shows that this was the case i don't have time to go into them now but one of them that's that i i would mention is second maccabees it's a you can look it up on you know bible gateway or whatever but second maccabees chapter seven is a great example of that strong group culture principle number two in the new testament world a person's most important group was his blood family so it wasn't if, if someone married into that family, that person who married in, while extremely important, was not as important as blood was. And so it was a, a patriarchal yeah. – the, the bloodline passed through the male. Yeah,
1: we see this very strongly in sort of <laughs> – You know, you see Judah has a son and he's supposed to give Tamar uh, a child and he dies. And so then Onan is supposed to fulfill this role and be incredibly loyal to his brother, even though his brother's dead, knowing full well that if he has this this child with Tamar, then the child becomes the heir of his older brother and we see Onan failing to uphold his family right. his family values He's putting himself above, ab- his, above family. his family and yep. and we see God very strongly strike Onan down yep. going no 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 family right. is what's a priority here and so um, and we see that in Genesis
0: yeah it's a great example and then principle number 3 so I alluded to this but in, in the New Testament world the closest family bond was not the bond of marriage it was the bond between siblings so it was bro- and primarily brother to brother right, and, and brother to sister but um, and so the deepest betrayal was not adultery or cheating by your spouse. It was if a brother betrayed you. That was the highest
1: Etubra. betrayal. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Bad. Yeah,
0: no doubt. Yeah, and and also and also you, Brutus, like, it's just talking about Caesar being assassinated. But um, so so Jesus has this radical concept that we see in uh, Mark chapter three, I believe, yes. um, where. He says in verses 31 through 35, he said, Then Jesus' mother and his brothers arrived. So he, Jesus is in this compound. He's with his disciples. He's probably teaching. Um, they they arrive and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus answered, Who are my brothers and my mother? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It's real easy to read passages like that and just like skim over it because you're like, OK, well, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. there there yeah. you go. Because, again, we're looking at it through a, a weak group culture. But in a strong group culture, that statement is
2: Crazy, yeah. <laughs> and it's they're almost blasphemy almost it, yeah, betrayal totally at the highest, yeah, yeah.
1: the highest degree of. No, no, she actually gave birth to you. Like, what yeah. are you saying yeah. right now? And
0: in fact, another place, Jesus, uh, a woman in a crowd cries out to him and says, "Hey, blessed is the woman who birthed you mm-hmm. and nursed you." And Jesus said, "No, rather, blessed is the one who does the will, will of, of my God. Father." Yeah. Right. That so he's and here's Jesus's radical concept, is he is redefining the family. That's what's going on in in Jesus's ecclesiology or in his concept of what the church is, these called out ones. He's calling them out of loyalties to their bloodlines. And he's saying, no, there's a higher loyalty above your bloodlines. And it's and it's a spiritual bloodline. He's spiritualizing the stronger culture to say, no, actually, it's not your nuclear bloodline family that's the most important. It's the family of God that's the most important. And that was a crazy radical concept he even said in matthew 23 verse 8 where he's talking he says don't let anybody call uh call you teacher and lord because there's only one teacher and you're not him you know but he says a real interesting statement he says don't let anybody call you teacher um, or lord because there's only one teacher and you are all brothers right so he's he's establishing the relationship of christians as siblings Um, Brothers and sisters, which is the the deepest loyalty in the family in a stronger culture was was um, within uh, that blood bond family relationship. So,
2: you know, what's interesting just on my end where I get to see I get to jump in a lot of living rooms with believers who are in conflict with each other. And, you know, um, I hear this all the time. Hey, my priorities are God my family. Yeah, that's right. You know, and they go through that. And, and what happens is, is practically the, they won't get in a room with another believer that they're upset at. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have time because they're prioritizing yeah. all these things. And, yep. and you just have to reset the table and go, Hey, no, no, no. And I'll just open it straight to Mark three and go, do you understand? This is your family. Yep. So if that really you is your that, priority list, mm-hmm you you need to redefine in your mind right. what Jesus says about this is your brother. Yep. So so you you need to make time for them. Yep. Yep. And everything else Well, you just told me your own pecking order work comes after your family. Yep. Yep. And so just and so I think for a lot of people the light bulb just goes off and goes, okay, am I really going to believe what Jesus says about family? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to just keep running my offense? Yep. So I think practically on my end, this concept of family and redefining family is at the forefront for me because it, it people have misprioritized relationships big time. Oh, it's yeah. huge, it's huge. I so, Nyka, yeah. why, why don't you walk us through, like, what,
0: given the strong group culture that the New Testament is, is written out of, yeah. like, what does that mean for the church?
1: Today? Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, first thing is, Jesus, obviously taught in parables, taught in stories, and he can use a lot of different structures as a metaphor for his church. And yet we see that he uses this strong unit of the family. Um, Mm -hmm. And we also see Paul carrying this forward. I mean, so you no longer hear the nation of Israel, the nation becomes a church. And you hear Paul, hey, brothers, sisters, Mm -hmm. the one another, they become paramount to what it means to walk out in our faith. And so um, that becomes the model. So just like you're saying, Rob, I mean, that is such that is. theological truth that whether you live in america or the middle east we need to start recognizing all believers really are brothers and sisters and take priority in that and that so that becoming a huge priority to you can't really divide God and God's family. I mean, they really come together as a unit. And so we once heard our, our boss, Blake Holmes, talk about, um, and he loves it when I call him boss. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, just that if he were to marry, his wife is Rebecca, and he was thinking about, you know, if he got engaged to Rebecca, and he's like, hey, listen, Rebecca, I love you, but I really don't want anything to do with your family. And I think sometimes we we think of, like, well, I love God, but and then I love my nuclear family, but, you know, all of the people in the church that kind of fall by the wayside and It's kind of like, no, no, no. God, God adopted all of us as brothers and sisters. So they're now your big dysfunctional family that you belong and you're a part of. And so we I think you're right, Rob, we have to continue to place that at the forefront. And it's very unnatural for us. And so I think it's something we have to discipline ourselves to think. Um, The second thing is the New Testament ethics assume a strong group family values. I mean, you do see those one another's it's assuming that you're going to care for each other. And you see it through, I mean, you see the establishment of the church right away in Acts and, and the guy, and then you start seeing some of the widows, you know, the Jewish and the Hellenistic widows kind of going, hang on. It seems like there's a preference happening for one group over the other and the church going, okay, we need to fix this. It wasn't like, Hey women, stop you bickering. We've got more important things to build the structure of the church. Instead they said, Let's get competent men to become these these deacons here to love and serve these women and, and and these widows. And you start to see, hey, we care for the orphan. We care for the widow. We care for everyone. And that's assumed in the New Testament ethic. And so um, yeah, because really, they're our family. They're not just this, they're not a stranger. They are our family. Totally. And you take care of your family.
0: Yeah, I would say, too, like the New Testament, really, when you come down to it, the New Testament doesn't make any sense at all. If you read it through a weak group yeah absolutely lens. like you it, it you, you run into a ton of yeah
1: there's no pick yourself up problems. by your bootstraps i mean there's no, no. Uh, yeah. try harder and you'll sort of push through or hey on your own you can accomplish this freedom. I mean, it's very much this understanding in the back of what we're doing that um, isolation will kill you yeah. <laughs> and no, no, no. so i mean it's worn throughout and we see it but um and then and then the third thing is just strong group values are deeply woven, woven into the very fabric mm-hmm. of the gospel and i think there's something especially as our, our culture moves into this postmodern culture and we're dealing with millennials and there is this desire to belong to something. And so many of us come from dysfunctional families. I think there's something really beautiful about the gospel where, I mean, we have the term, we are adopted into this. We are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, this, this familial language that I think is um, very inviting rather than this, uh, the transactional language is still gorgeous in terms of the righteousness. And there's a transaction on my account where I received his righteousness, but there's, that's one. That's what happens to, to my sin. But in terms of my identity, mm-hmm. I receive a new family yeah, and that's yeah. very much a part of the gospel message. And so like I mean, like the passages we've already talked about where you see Jesus on the cross and he's he's dying. He looks at John and he's like, hey, she's your mom now. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. need to take care of her. And this care for each other as a family is is just so woven throughout. And I think it um, it benefits us as as ministers who are trying to reach out to those who are hurting and need the gospel. There's a real beauty in what we can offer them as, hey, you will be my brother and you will be my sister and and we take care of our family. And so, yeah. But, Rob, you know, you said I loved what you said earlier. We do see in Western evangelicals, we see God sort of first, which we know that's supposed to be true. And then we see my family, you know, so my unit of five Mm -hmm. and, and then then God's family and then others. And what we're arguing for is we see with Jesus, it's more of God and his family. You can't really divorce the two. Then my family, and then others. And so, why don't you go ahead? You and Nate go ahead and continue to unpack that, because I think that's important for for everybody to understand.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just um, you know, and everybody. If you were to sit down with everybody, just go, okay, list your priorities. I I think most people are going to start with you know whether they're whether they're just American or you know a Christian, they're going to start with God, you Mm -hmm. know, and then family, and then my my work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, working out know, whatever falls that, but usually those are the first three. Yeah. Yep. And, um, but but realistically, um, we don't live like that. Yeah. You know, we just don't, right? So our work gets 40, 50, 60 mm-hmm. hours mm-hmm. a week, mm-hmm. you know, our family. And so um, I think it's just really good. Like, while you were talking, you know, I just kept thinking about Galatians, you mm-hmm. know, where we're not defined by cultic law, you know, we're defined by the gospel. And so the Jew, Gentile, slave free, male free, right. you know, all that stuff. You know, but just just how many times over in Galatians, and I don't know, I haven't counted them, but I would think six to eight, ten. Paul says, "Brothers and sisters," yeah. and and so I just think how much Paul had to just probably remind them because it was probably so shocking. Yeah, and we just yeah. read right past brothers yeah. and sisters. Seriously, and I think when the church of Galatia read that, they're like pulling the parking brake
1: yeah, and just going, wait a minute, what did you, <laughs> what just, did you just say? say?
2: Yeah. Like, I just told you something really yeah. hard. Yeah. Hey, remind yourself your brother and sister. So just practically, you know, that's why, you know, when, when Christian brothers and sisters in our neighborhood that we love, when um we're not good with each other, I mean, literally we clear the schedule mm-hmm. and it's not, when can we fit you in? It's, I'm sorry, we, we need to, We need to cancel some other things. And, you know, you'll hear everything from, hey, we can't miss this show. Right. Show on whatever. AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, and just, (laughs) just, you know, they've been a like a decade ago, right? You got to watch The Bachelor. (laughs) Right. You know. um, (laughs) Yeah. And so all that to say is we've got our just, I think we've just got to as the church and people, brothers and sisters of the scriptures, we have to just keep going, hey, practically, Mm -hmm. I know you say that, but practically, do these relationships take precedent over even work? Mm -hmm. Mm You know, and I think think Jesus and Paul and his disciples, as Paul says, hey, imitate me as I imitate the Lord, right? So whatever Paul is saying is what he's heard or seen or, you know, the Lord doing. We've got to, we've got to be a people that clear our schedules and prioritize these relationships.
1: Mm, that's
2: great. That's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think functionally, and we put on here Western evangelicals. I, I think that to Rob's point, there's kind of like God, which does not equal the church. Right. It's just right. like this. God. It's almost like God is like this nebulous out mm-hmm. there, something I have to nod my head at, you know, and then my nuclear family and then my work and my hobbies and whatever else I want. And really, Church, as we as most people think about it, comes in a distant tenth or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just I can't emphasize this enough. In Jesus's concept of the church, you cannot have God and not have the church. Those two things are inseparable. Yeah. It, it, it literally is like trying to get married to a woman and and not having Her, the family that she came from. Yeah, and we would all go, that's
1: so dysfunctional. Like, that something's not right with y'all if that's what you're trying to accomplish. And yet, I think in a, we don't even, I mean, you're talking about even Galatians where we just kind of pass over these brothers and sisters' words. Mm -hmm. Like, we're like, oh, that's just a cute title that I get to call Rob, like, you're my brother. And not think about, like, no, like, I, my own brother, I love him and sacrifice for him and I'm there for him. Mm -hmm. And Paul is using the same word for you. And now I'm going, oh, wait, that's kind of a call on me. Like, yeah, that's a different yeah, thing than a yeah. title. That's a yeah. that's an expectation that comes but with it. But this is not
0: like a – and I would also say from a biblical theology standpoint, this is not like – it's not like, oh, well, maybe I'll get around to it. Like, it's optional. Like, yeah. this is not optional. The, Jesus is describing something that is. It's a reality. He's describing the reality of, of what God has created in his new family, the the family of God.
2: And so yeah, – that's why, you know, in the great commandment, right, love your neighbor as mm-hmm. yourself. Yep. You know, in Galatians 6 um, or Galatians 5, you know, he just says he talks about the only rule that really matters, yeah. which is loving your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And so it's inconsistent for whether it's 2000 years ago or today to go, hey, I love God, but I'm not. Radically inclined with my brother, yeah. that yeah. that concept yeah. has no place two thousand. No. When well, we see that progression,
1: yeah. you know, you see in the the gospels, you see Jesus going, "Hey, here's the commandment: love God, love your neighbor." And then hmm. when Paul comes along, Paul's going, "It's so implicit in the fact that you love God that it gets expressed as yeah. loving your neighbor." Yeah, and so right. he's going, "Hey, you that is. I mean, he's he's even elevating that command to going. It, it's assumed that." Be in loving your neighbor is coming out of a love of your God, and so that becomes they become almost wed together in Paul's writing so what are Nate just kind of what are some of the implications of this? so we, we're talking about the strong group culture yeah. and obviously it, it's a little bit sandpapery against this individualistic yeah. kind of mindset that we're in. yeah it's like it's like not the 220 <laughs> yeah. grit it's like 40 you know yeah, it takes right. a little skin off and that bosses me uh, yeah you like that it's a little working <laughs> <quirky>. <laughs> you need to know at home I'm actually wearing safety goggles yeah. on my head Micah like strolled friend. in
0: here today and was like well I've been making some
2: <laughs> stuff in my wood shop so. yeah
1: it's true safety first guys yeah, and right. so but uh, so, what are some of those implications? Because I do think this has a practical outworking. It's one thing to say, okay, so you're telling me the church is my family. Mm. What does that mean, yeah. Nate? Why don't you walk us through that? I
0: think the first thing is, is yeah, the church is a family. So your concept of church cannot um, be around a building. And I think we should even examine some of our language around this. I've started telling Nate because my my son, because he's like, hey, I want to go to church, and I've started to to even correct some of that language to say. Hey Nate, we're gonna go where the church gathers. You know, like, well, let's go. Let's go to the place where the church gathers. And that's just that. As a three-year-old, what I'm trying to do is shape in his mind, you know, away from some of that language to talk to where when he thinks about church, he he's automatically thinking of the relationships that exist within the people of God because it's a family. That's what the church is. So it's not a business. It's it's not an organization. It's an organism. If you want to, that's a little pithy way to to remember it. Secondly, um, Jesus calls us to relational commitment not to institutionalism so if rob and i went to a different church i would still be committed highly to my brother in christ even though like you know let's say you went to PCPC and i went to the village or something like we went we go to two different institutional expressions of the local church but we're still brothers and so mm-hmm. our highest end is never to be water markers like who cares about watermark we're talking about the big c church and then thirdly Christians in my relational or my nuclear family, the people that I am in nu- nuclear family and my closest, like we would say, at Watermark our community group. Those people remain my first priority among the people of God. This is a really important point because some people are asking, like, "Well, dang, do I just toss my nuclear family out the window?" You know.
1: Yes. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> not, you're fired. Not yeah. <laughs> um, and and what we would say is, um, what we would say is. There's a level of priority. So if your nuclear family, namely like your father and mother and your your blood brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. are Christian, then those people in the close proximity uh, to you relationally, then then they become the most important people among the people of God. Right. However, we would say that um, if there's a mother or father or brother or sister who's like, hey, I am asking you to remain loyal to the Smith clan. In this type of expression or behavior that's against what God would call you to, then your loyalty, your highest priority is to the church first and then to your bloodline family. So that's a really important distinction. So people ask, like, well, you know, should we go up to the building and serve all the time at the expense of our family at home? And again, that betrays a misunderstanding of the church. Like, no, my highest i calling as a person who's in the family of God is to the people in the family of God who are closest to me first. And that is my nuclear family. Yeah. Right. And then fourthly, just a real be- practical point, like the church, when understanding all of this in its biblical context, the church is not here to serve my family. My family is here to serve the church. And so we in thinking about that, it becomes something and this bleeds into number five is that, look, and I would say this to somebody out there that's like, well, should we, how, how involved should we be in the church? And I would say um, you're, when you incorporate and graft your family into the local expression of the body of Christ, then your nuclear family becomes something that it cannot be apart from the body of Christ. Sure. And frankly, what I'm saying is your family will never be what it's intended to be until you deeply graft into the family of God. You, your, your family gains, uh, uh, it's, a, it's identity in the church. It gains its, its functionality in the church. It gains its health through the church. Um, the church becomes the vehicle through which the Spirit brings about making it what it's always was intended to be.
1: Thanks for listening to the Equipping Podcast. If you liked it, tell your friends, subscribe. And as always, if you have questions, please email us at equippingpodcast@watermark.org. at watermark.org. Thanks. Bye.
2: Peace.